Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flowtrack Podcast. Happy Friday. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. On today's show, we're going to be previewing the Boston Marathon, which takes place on Monday. We're also going to reflect a little bit on the track season and talk about who we think should make the finals for the IAAF, excuse me, the World Athletics Athlete of the Year. It's been two years, Gordon, and I still can't get the correct terminology down. How are you doing today? Doing good. Did they give a World Athlete of the Year? award in 2020 well that's a great question let me check that out they they didn't right i know they had a a let's see no they did they did they did mondo and yulamar rojas in 2020 ceremony was held virtually that was the word of 2020 and and they they got it done those two so okay both of them, both of them might actually get if they do it in person this year. They might get a, a return trip to yeah the the podium. Except it will not be a virtual podium; it'll be an actual podium this year because both of them had great twenty twenty ones. So yeah, Rojas Duplantis, the reigning world athlete of the year. But we'll we'll dive into that later on. The women's side of things is going to be really fun to discuss because you got five women there for three finalist spots as has been the tradition, but then even then you got to go all the way down to one. And I don't know how you're going to separate that group. I think all, all five of those women have a, a claim at it, but let's start first with Boston marathon uh, race. You'll be attending in person. Gordon, how does it feel to know you're just days away from being on the ground in Boston? Oh, thrilled. I leave tomorrow. Uh, and I'm excited. I haven't been to uh, a major marathon in a long time. So um yeah i think the last one i've been to was new york city in like 2015 or 16 or something like that it's been a while so i haven't really Mm -hmm. gone to many majors um on the ground i've covered them remotely so uh yeah it's exciting and uh also excited to watch um jojo run the marathon so i'll be there as a fan Mm -hmm. as well so be watching two separate races the uh the elite field and then the uh, the second wave. So, I'm still not counting Jojo out. I just want you to know that, I, and I want you to tell her that for me. I guess I could just send her a message myself, but I'm not counting her out of that elite field. This is a big elite field. Look at the entries. Look how long you can scroll on the entries through this elite field. Just keep going, 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 going. I mean, JoJo's going to beat somebody on this list. Just straight up, she's going to beat somebody on this list. And we're, we're excited to, to see that happen, I think. Yeah, I think so. We should, have had, we should have had her on and had her just call out a random person on this list. That's what someone who had run high 230s, low 240s, who's a very accomplished marathoner, we just should have had JoJo come on and be like, so-and-so, I'm going to take you down on Monday. Yeah, watch out, Christina Murphy, Jordan O'Dea. Yes. 
coming it's for on. you. It's on. It's on. Your PR is from 2013. Bring it. Yeah. Mine's from 2020? 20? Is that her? Oh, yeah, 2020. It, I okay. mean, it doesn't count. It's not a real PR. The real one starts this week. <laughs> the real one. Okay, so we talked about Chicago uh, on Wednesday's show. So if you're looking for a Chicago preview, check out Wednesday's show because that's going to be on Sunday. So we have back-to-back. First time we got these two majors colliding into each other. We'll start first with the women's race because there's a lot of big American names on the women's side of things. In a race, Gordon, that does have a lot of people in that low 220 range, but there's no clear favorite. There's no clear recent superstar. A lot of the TPBs are from many years ago. A lot of the folks in there are unproven or they're folks that are on the tail end of their career. When you look overall at this field, does this look like a a field that Americans like Hase, Linden, and Huddle can can run well against? Maybe. I mean, I'm gonna always have this kind of similar take is like the marathons are just such a a flip of a coin. Uh there there's always this this chance. You could have a situation with weather where all of a sudden the entire field is decimated. You could have situations where everyone is on their A game and it's hard for Americans to keep up with some of the East Africans. Um, mm-hmm. So for me to proje- predict or project how I think they'll do, it's purely be a made-up speculation. But, you know, yep. some of these women have run their PBs mm-hmm. more recently, like in 2020 and 2019. And, you know, I think I'm probably – I think it's – it's always better to kind of expect less and then be surprised at the result, right? So in this situation, yeah. as an American, I'll probably expect less from the Americans and then be happily surprised if they do find a way to put one or two in the top five. Well, let's look at the field here. Let's look at the competition, and then we'll go through how Linden and Say and Huddle potentially will fare. So – after scratches, the top seed now is Edna Kiplaga, who's 41 years old. She's solid, right? She's second in 2019 in Boston. She's been great late in, in her career, but she, you know, a lot of her major performances are coming from, and her fast times are coming from almost 10 years ago now. Then you have Mari Dababa, PB's from 2012. She hasn't raced since 2019. Uh, Angela Tanui, who is a late ad there, she's someone who might make some noise because her PB came from this year, but it was in Tuscany. Tuscany. Then you have Edessa, who ran fast in 2019, hasn't raced since. Kabete from Ethiopia, third in Tokyo, but this will only be her second world marathon major. It just it seems like you've got the two opposite ends of the, the spectrum here, and I could go down the list. It's like they have a ton of experience, but it's been a while since they've been been relevant or at least been a force in the marathon, or they're really unproven or inexperienced at this stage, which I think bodes well for some folks who I don't know, are somewhere in the middle, right? Who are, they've run a couple marathons. They got room, they're experienced with the distance, but they have some room to grow. Maybe they can take advantage on, on Monday. Yeah. You're, I feel like you're nitpicking some of these top East African elites because we can find really big nitpicks on like the top three Americans. Hase oh, 100%. has not, yeah, Hase has not looked like 
the 2017 Hase that ran 220. Sure, like sure, she, sure. Yeah. Her half marathons haven't been that fast. She didn't run that well at the trials. You know, it's been a while since Hase has been the poster child of the next great marathoner. Huddle, kind of similar. I mean, she has her 226 PB, which compared to people who've run 220, seems massively slow. At mm -hmm. the time, you're like, oh, she's just getting her feet wet, but she hasn't found a way to <laughs> jump full all in into the marathon. Um, we thought maybe that would come at the trials. It didn't come at the trials. So Huddle yeah. has kind of big question marks of, are you even ready for to go to run a fast marathon? And then Lyndon, while she's always notorious for being um, overlooked and underappreciated, and she had a big uh, moment in, was 2018? Was that the, or mm -hmm. 17? Yeah, 18. 18, when she won. You know, at the same time, she is on the wrong side of 35, right? Is she over 35? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there is a there's a there's a point where eventually that's gonna. She's not in ending her prime. She's probably on the other side of her prom prime. You know, she's been doing like some crazy trail races and ultras and doing crazy running experiments, running a mile every day and adding one throughout an entire month. Uh, so right. she's definitely fit and she's definitely, she's not like washed up by any means, but the question is, is she as zeroed in and focused on the marathon as she was three years ago? Yeah. Like between 2016 and 2020, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, the 50K record, and, the 50K yeah. record last year showed that she was healthy, but let's not forget she was fourth in the trials. She almost made the team in in, in in Atlanta. So she's still very much relevant. I'm not I'm not saying none of these I'm not saying the the Americans obviously don't have uh shortcomings. Of course they do. What I'm saying is when you look at the international field, this is not London, where you have five women who went sub two nineteen. This is not yeah. New York that has Perez Jepcherter who just won the Olympic marathon this isn't chicago that has ruth chepnegich in it who's run 217 and has won a world title before none of the like those folks don't exist in this race now for the americans obviously you ran through all the the different issues that that they have here too all i'm saying is that if you were to rank the 10 best women's marathoners in the world right now if you did the gordon mack power rankings or the low track rankings you would probably not have anybody in this field in the top 10. That's all I'm saying right now. Yeah. And because of that, that's there's no surefire top three runner yeah. in yeah. this field. So, again, it does give an opportunity for the Linden, Hase, or Huddle to be one of those. Uh, I, if I had to rank the American chances, Linden definitely is number one because she's the one that shows the most yeah. – consistency in the marathon um so if i had to put money on the american that could finish top three i'd put it on linden but yeah, i agree you know you well, just let's go you through need, though you, you're gonna need something special to happen for her to win again and yeah. you know well, maybe I'm maybe you'll get it right it happens crazy that would happen. be choki got be eighth in london last yeah. year that was crazy yeah yeah, that would be an incredible story if she won. Let's go through, though. Let's define success for, for these three. 
for these three Americans. We should also mention there's a deep American field beyond them. People like Nell Rojas, Paige Stoner have run you know, sub-229 as well. But I, li- I like your Linden pick. I thought I was going to be a contrarian by saying she has the best chance out of anybody in here. Apparently not because no. you are the only person I've talked to about this so far and you agree with me. So one <laughs> of one agrees. I know she said – she told Runner's World that her buildup wasn't as good as it was for the 50K. But she's Des Linden. She knows how to get it done. She knows how to get the most out of herself. I like the fact that she doesn't have any pressure going into this. And I know that's a cliche. And then there actually is pressure. I don't think there's any pressure at all. She's won her major. She's clearly having fun with her, her running. She's appeared at Olympics before. Everything that she does at this point is just icing on the cake. So let's go through these, these three women, though. So starting with Linden. What would you define as success for Lyndon in this race? Success in the eyes for of her or success in the eyes of the public? Well, if when we did the recap pod on Monday, what would she have to do for you to be saying, hey, that was an A or B race for Lyndon? Okay. A race would be top four okay b race will be five to ten c race will be 11 and out okay so times are irrelevant for her at this point right so you're just looking overall field that's where she sits okay i mean i think she's already she's eating kit kats in her twitter picture so i think she's already on the way to success in my book because it's delicious delicious i mean uh, that is kind of an awful way to eat a kit kat though I mean, maybe I. Oh, yeah. you break Kit Kats like that? That's why. Hold on. You look at that picture and you think that's normal? There's only one rule I have for Kit Kats. There's only one way I eat Kit Kats, and it's quickly. So I don't oh discriminate goodness. based on. So you 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 break them up into individual pieces. Yeah, that's you do how what the commercial designed. says. You you, you break break me off, off a piece of that. Of that break yeah, okay. me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar, not. Bite into a chunk of a Kit Kat bar. Do you think? Hold on. Can you scroll down, Travis? Put this up again. Alon, put this up again. What what do the comments say? Are this is this the first reaction for everybody? Can we see comments on here? Okay. Carrie Goucher loves the nails. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, Kit Kat responds. Okay, this is big here. We're not angry, Chaz. Well, they made the song. They want people to follow the to people to follow the instructions. Man. Okay, so Kit Kat responds. Do you think KitKat just sits the social media person for KitKat just sits on the internet all day, just refreshing to see people violating the rules of KitKats? People oh, saying someone she's else tapering. Says, all rules are off the table. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. See, I didn't know if people if she did this just to trigger people or just to, just to say, hey, I'm relaxed. I'm eating this delicious chocolate in the week of my marathon. I mean, Gary Munro said, I'm sorry, but this is just wrong. Everyone knows the correct way to eat a Kit Kat is to break off a finger, nibble the chocolate off like a squirrel, then devour the wafer. <laughs> okay, that's a little too for, much. For a moment, Nibbling I read that incorrectly. Just eating the wafer by itself is a little too much. That's not in the song. Breaking yeah. them into individual pieces is in the song. How do you eat a string cheese? Do you... Do you get mad when people just bite into a string cheese versus pulling the pieces off? Yes. Do you just bite into string cheese? Are you just a... No. Uh... I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I, I pull it off. It tastes differently when you pull it off. 
I think the Kit Kat tastes the same regardless of how you do it. Again, my only rule is eating it quickly when it comes to a Kit Kat. I used to have different rules for like how I would eat food like in the cafeteria when I was a kid, like French fries. I would line them all up by height and then I would eat the shortest one first. Whoa. And so I would <laughs> savor the longest French fry for the end. Or when I would get Smarties, I would divide them up by color and then like see how many each, each color I had. And I would try to preserve all the colors. So I would eat from the, yeah. the where I had four of the color to break it down. So I had one of every color and then I would eat it and be like the one last round of eating Smarties. Okay. See, I think this is a great sign yeah. for Des. She's going in. All bets are off the table. House money. She's breaking the rules of Kit Kats. It just shows she's in a good headspace going into, into the marathon. I think this is a good sign for Des Linden, the fact that she's willing to anger the chocolate bar establishment in the run-up to the race. She's not out there to make friends, Gordon. She's out there to contend for another major. I love it. <laughs> keep keep doing it, Des. So what do you what, – what would – oh, we got a photo here. You got two types of Kit Kat. Which one are you? Yeah, right. I guess she's on the right side of that. She's on the 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 the, the wrong side of history, right there. You know. Anyway, the right side of the photo. Kit the wrong side of history. Okay, so you're <laughs> saying a race, top four. So you have high expectations for her. Still, I think well earned. I think well deserved. I think you should have high expectations for Lyndon. I think I agree with you. She's the best bet to finish in the top American spot. Okay, let's go to the next person. Jordan Hesse, Jordan Hesse. And just to do a little recap on Jordan Hesse, she ran two marathons in 2020. Of course, she had injuries. She picked up injuries there. And she finished in the 230s in both of those marathons. She got 26 in the trials in Atlanta, 237. Then she went to Valencia at the end of the year after you know she switched coaches. Paula Radcliffe was coaching her. And she runs 233.51, finishes 27th. She ran in New Haven 20, in 2021. She got 17th in a 20K, ran, running 114. She was not happy with her race there. Her new coach, Pete Julian, gave some quotes saying, what's going on here? Uh, you know, the, the workouts indicated we were going to be much better than we were. So given all that subtext, given all that we know about Jordan Hesse, she has a 220. Uh, she's run 220 in Chicago. She's, you know, one of the the biggest names in American women's marathoning. What would you say would be success for Jordan to say in this race? And you can do any metric you'd like. Yeah, no. In my opinion, success would be being a top three American. I feel like. Okay. I'm I'm like I'm 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 saying like I think she needs to find a way to show that she can get back to being 225 or faster. Like this yeah. 2 220 versus 233 are two completely different worlds, right? 233 mm -hmm. is not I am in I'm not it's like so separate from the Sarah Halls and the mm -hmm. Des Lindens and and the Alfin Tulamix of this world and the Molly Seidel's. Because if you want to be one of the top American marathoners, you need to be a 225 or better. And 233 yep. is like light years away from that. So I, what a success for me, for her, were for her to be able to show that she can get back into that conversation 
and not just be a participation name because of her legacy of what she did as a younger athlete. I think she needs to kind of prove herself. In my opinion, that would be being a top three American. Like, okay. Maybe even top two American. That's I was going to say top two. I was going to say, I have three, three metrics here. Top two American. I think 225 is a good number. I'll even extend it even more. Or if she goes under 226, or if she just finishes in, I'll say, top seven overall. I think all those would be signs of success. So if she ends up being the third American, but she still runs fast, I think that's good. That's fine. Because, hey, she can't control what other people do. Likewise, if the conditions are just bad, but she's able to be competitive and finish in that top seven range, you maybe even say you'd want top five, but after what she's run recently, I think you'd just you'd be happy with that. Anything in in the top seven range would be would be perfectly fine. So a time goal out there, place goal overall in the race, and also a place goal as as the top or one of the top two Americans. I think would be would be a great step in the right direction for her because you're right. You're looking at two thirties, and you're looking at what she did in that twenty k. And it's far off where she was and what she's capable of doing. So you just got to get something going in the right direction. Don't expect her to be a world beater in this race, though. Yeah. And you have to think, like, there's some, there's got to, we know the talent's there. I mean, we've seen it. She's not like she's aged out of the marathon either. Like, so clearly there was something that's just not clicking correctly the past few years. And you could, you know, chalk it up to pandemic and all that stuff, but she just needs to have like a rust buster of a race where she gets back into the conversation. Maybe this is that yeah, race. Solid. She's maybe, solid. maybe this is her first of two rust busters where you have a, a semi-solid race, then a solid race, and then you're back to, okay, now I can compete, you know, but mm-hmm. that's what she needs. She just needs to get back on the, back on the scene. And that in my mind will be top two, top three Americans. Back on the scene. That's a headline for you. Yeah, back on the well, scene. There was a pandemic, obviously, she's dealing with. Everybody was dealing with that. But but then she had to you know, switch coaches to three different coaches over this time period. Salazar, Radcliffe, and now Julian. And then injuries as well. So there was a lot she had to to contend with. But she's always seemed like a, a, like a momentum runner in that when it's going good, it's going good. When it's not going good, it takes something to get out of that rut. So – Whatever plan they have devised, I think that the most important thing is just solid, solid race. Just clock something. I mean, I even said 225. I might even extend that up to say 227, 228, or something like that. Yeah, 227. Not 228. 227. Yeah, 227. Okay, there it is. There's the metric. All right, last, last American woman we'll talk about, and then we'll move on to the men. Molly Huddle, what would you say is success for Molly Huddle? Remember, she dropped out of the trials marathon, had injury issues on the track. Her PB, kind of irrelevant, from London in 2019, 226. This is a different type of race entirely, so I don't think that factors in. Everybody thinks that she's capable of of more than that, but this is a faster type of race. Place, time, where are you gauging Huddle's success? Success would be her beating Des Linden. That simple? That simple. Fair. Fair. I mean, she is the bellwether. Yeah. Because you know what Lyndon's going to do. You know exactly what Lyndon's going to do. 
But what I'm if not she worried beats about... Lyndon, but loses to two other American, like lesser Americans? What would you say? Like lesser known Americans? I guess maybe we need to uh, provided Lyndon runs within three percent of her ability. <laughs> Lyndon, she needs to be run Lyndony. If she's if it's Lyndon-y, a Lyndony yeah. race, and and Huddle beats her, that's good. I like that you simplified that. You just said, hey, don't worry about time. Don't worry about anybody else in the field. Just just, just beat Lyndon, and you'll probably have a good a good race. Now. If Lyndon doesn't run well, which has rarely happened, but if she goes up there and runs two forty-five, then I, I would I'd guess you'd amend your, amend yeah. your pick. But then, yeah, for for me, yeah, I don't really want to throw a time on it just because I don't, I have no idea what Huddle's capable of. But I would think in this field, I like just to focus on Lyndon. But I would almost say top top five. Just because you're measuring her against what she's, you know, done on the track and what we think she's capable of. So if Huddle finishes seventh in this race, is it really surprising you? No, it's solid. Molly Huddle's a good runner. But I think yeah. getting in that top getting in that top five, I think, would be would be a success for her. Okay, let's go to the men. Let's go to the men. What well, before we go to the men, uh, what do you think sure. Shalane Flanagan runs? Oh, okay. So this will be the second of the back-to-back. Theoretically, this one should be the slower of the two, but that's where Shalane fools us. She runs 224. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't think she runs 224. Uh, well, I'll place the over-under. I'm going to place the over-under at 247. I feel dumb saying this, but I'm going to go over. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to eat my words on that one for sure. I think because I think what would happen is once she sees she's on three hour sub three hour pace, I think she's just going to she's going to enjoy the last couple miles and think, okay, I got two more of these. I can't get hurt. Yeah. I don't want to push myself too much. So I'll go I'll go over that just slightly over. Here's the thing. She's already run. She said that the, she's trying to run sub three and she's already done sub 240. Both times. Yeah. If she goes on to Chicago and runs 239, she's going to be like, hey, I'm yeah. on a, I can probably make them all sub 240, and that just is like so much more. So I could see her trying to run sub 240 on the back-to-back and maybe kind of regret it. <laughs> but we'll see. So look at – well, it has the, – the two previous ones have been fast, but they haven't been smooth. Look at what she said after – London. She said for the first time ever I had to stop and walk in a marathon. She accidentally started with the sub elite men. Um instead of scroll up a little bit there. Uh she started with the sub elite men in, instead of wave one, resulting in me getting sucked along to a much faster pace than anticipated. Last 10K, she says I entered the pain cave. It was brutal. When I set the goal of breaking three hours in every marathon, I knew that some days would come to life fully easy and some would be incredibly hard. Yesterday was hard. So lesson learned there i remember watching the we were doing the live show and i was checking in on her and there was a lot of projected times of 231 and i thought oh man that's crazy and then it came time for the finish and her result wasn't showing up and she ended up being far back but still 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 a crazy crazy fast race so this kind of gives you an insight into how she's approaching this she's not sitting there staring at her watch micromanaging every single split and being like, I need to measure my effort here or there. She's just hopping in these races and 
I'm sure she's judging her effort a bit, but I think she's just getting caught up in the race too, which makes sense because that's how she ran her entire career. Yeah, I just think that she might be a little more strategic um, for this double because it's a 48-hour mission, right? So, Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to... Let's go to the men, but before we do that, let's check in on the chat here. Uh, Anthony says, "What the hell is string cheese?" Um, I could what? go grab. Should I grab? Should I grab? Should I grab a string cheese right now from my house? I have one in the other room. No, you can make just here. Google it. That, that's how they find it. Google. Maybe they're from international right. or something like that. There we go. String cheese. There's string cheese. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a tube of cheese, right? And the goal is you, you pull it apart. It's great for kids. For two reasons. One, kids love cheese. And two, it takes them forever to eat it. So if you need them to be distracted by eating something for a little bit, you do string cheese and you, and you pull it apart. You can also, if depending on how serious you take it, you can, you can pull it a couple, couple times, right? You pull off one big piece and then that big piece you can separate into several other pieces. So it's a delicious snack. We always have a 24-pack or so around the house. I got three kids. Uh, how was this? Did someone help Anthony out? Uh, a cylinder. Oh, Catherine says a cylinder of soft cheese that you can pull little strings off. She says it's pretty gross, though. I don't recommend. Catherine, you don't like string what? cheese? Man, this, this is crazy. Uh, oh, and Josh says they don't have this in Australia. So there, yeah, I guess this is just an American thing. This Us might Americans. be might be the food I'm most proud of. <laughs> if this if, if this is an American thing, might be the food I'm. You most know, proud I have of. like. Yeah, we have like a national like bird and a national yeah song yeah. and all that stuff. This should be the national food: string cheese. Usually, it's usually it's mozzarella too. The best types of mozzarella. And so, if you just took a big bite out of that instead of pulling it apart, it's going to taste differently. And that's the magic of string cheese. That's you have you're incentivized to pull the pieces apart because I think it tastes better, and then you enjoy it more for a longer period of time as well too. If you lived in the okay, so Adam says they have it in the UK, so maybe it's just a US, uh, US UK type of deal. If you have kids, you got to have string cheese, assuming they like cheese. It's just it's a go-to snack. I've never said, "Hey, do you guys want a string cheese?" And my kids say, "No." They want multiple. They want them to be bigger. They want they just want string cheese constantly. So, so string cheese was invented in Wisconsin. In 1976, by a guy named Frank Baker. Of course, of course. It was oh wait, no, hold on. Now someone else is taking credit for it in Mexico. Uh -oh. Controversy. Is this like 1880s. the lamps? The City of Lights. So where the first lamps were. Is this gonna be a Paris thing all over again? So there's two different. Oh wait, hold on. Now another one is saying they did it in Central Europe first. So everyone has their own little yeah. origins yeah. of who got it first. But uh, in America. It was a guy named Frank Baker in 1976. 1976. That's late. Bicentennial year. It, it should be mm -hmm. our. Uh, it should be our national food. National food. Okay, so Adam says they call them cheese strings in the UK, not string cheese, which makes sense. It's just always a little bit of remix on the way foods in the US and the UK are, are described, or just words in general. Cheese strings. In Australia. String cheese is sold by Bega Cheese, and it's called Bega Stringers, and it can be sold in a can. 
Man. Well, according to according to Josh, they don't have them in Australia. So I'm going to take no, Josh's word because he out. watches the show. Bega Stringers. Sold in a can. And sold in a can. EGA? Bega Stringers. EGA. Bega Stringers. Okay. Anyway, this has become a string looks, cheese podcast. <laughs> this looks interesting. I don't know. Can we can we have a can we have someone taste test these? Josh, if you're still listening and watching, can you can you demo those Bega cheese stringers and let me know? Yeah, look this up. I mean, look it up. Show that okay. Bega stringers. But how is it in a can? I don't get it. I don't know. Sometimes they sell it in the can. Not this one. At least this is in a pack. Okay. We ready to talk about the men? Yeah. Because okay. I can talk about string and then cheese. We'll go, and then day. we'll talk about more cheese. I love cheese. Yeah, cheese we'll is go, great. What's your, bet? Oh, top, what's your Mount Rushmore of cheeses? I mean, just cheddar. Cheddar's up there. Uh, cheddar's not even in my oh, top four. Of course it's not because you probably have American cheese up there. Okay. Um, no, I got Travis cheese whiz. Your tweets from nine years ago. Some people like their grilled cheese cut in two rectangles. Some like it cut in two triangles. I like it cut into two dinosaurs. When did I tweet anyway, that? Oh my god! How do you find that? <laughs> it's amazing. I don't remember tweeting. Uh, that. I mean, I'll go. I'll go. Mozzarella, cheddar, provolone, and then I'll go. I don't know, like. I like. Like brie is really good on crackers, so I'll probably go brie. I'm not a big blue. I'm going guy. with Parmesan. I gotta go with cheese whiz. I gotta go with um nacho cheese. No, that's the same thing as cheese whiz. So cheese yeah, that's just cheese whiz, parmesan. I would go with the mozzarella. Yeah, you gotta. And then probably cream cheddar. cheese? No, brie. Brie. I'll go with brie, which is kind of like brie. Wow. Okay, no cheddar on there. Kind of an upset. I feel like mozzarella is the Abe Lincoln of that. Like everybody's got to have like, – that's undisputed that you have to have Cheese Whiz is number one for me. Yeah, that's I mean, not actually – but what's cheese was made of? Like what is a specific it's type of cheese? magic, and you put it on steak, and then it's even more magical. But, it's, but I think and it's another. You eat cheese. it in the streets of Philadelphia, and it's even three times as more magical. The untold story of cheese whiz. I don't have time to read a deep dive into cheese. Maybe I do later. We'll see. We'll see how things are going. Okay. Well, he's Gordon. You're getting your tweets posted from now five years ago. This is when I we were supposed to do like advertising our shoes that we're running in. They gave us Brooks uh -huh. running shoes, and I was supposed to go on a long run and eat them. And not you know, go on a long run with them. And I was like, all right, I'm going to run to the cheesesteak truck. And then I ate a cheesesteak after the run. So at seven o'clock, okay, so it was my dinner. Anyway. So cheese whiz is just, it says a process. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the craft website. Processed cheese is a smooth, soft, uniform cheese. The color and flavor may depend on the cheese variety, mozzarella compared to cheddar. So I think cheese whiz is just a form of the cheese. So I think you'll, you no, can think about this. This is not a form. It's a lifestyle. Okay. Okay. Anyway. It's, it's a <laughs> Men's field, Boston Marathon. Uh, you have three gentlemen now who are sub 205 in terms of PBs. Again, as a story for the women, some of the, some of the PBs are, are from several years ago. The biggest name in here is Lalisa DeCisa. 
his PB comes from 2013, but and he DNF the Olympics, but he's won Boston twice. He won World Championships though in 2019. He's always on the podium in in a major every year, like consistently knocking out podiums after podium after podium. So I, he's the familiar name in here. He's the guy that I would pick to win just because everybody else, there's a ton of question marks, but there's also a lot of upside with, with some of these runners. So I, I don't know. Internationally, it's tough to sort out for the Americans. You got Abdi, Abdurrahman, Scott Fobble, Colin Benny, Scott Smith. Um, I don't, I think this might be a situation where we're going to have a uh, interesting breakout for an American, but I'm not sure who it is, but the other interesting thing to note, two really, really fast half marathoners are jumping in this and could factor in the mayor of Ethiopia, who's run 58-33. He, he's not technically a debutante because he DNF'd in Valencia, but he's run sub 66 times and then Barcetone of Kenya 59-09, Gordon, in the half marathon for him. Yeah, I mean, 58-33 half marathon is pretty damn quick. So he's probably going to be in the mix for top five potentially um but yeah i mean looking at this field it's kind of i feel like very different from the women in that f- from american perspective where in the women you had kind of like these three names you thought maybe one of them is gonna have a great race and finish in the top seven here yeah you just have a bunch of 209 210 211 guys and you most likely we're gonna have I think there's a good chance that the top American will be a storyline because it's going to be an American that we did not expect to beat the top American. If it's mm-hmm. Scott Fobble or Abdi Abdurrahman, then mm-hmm. it's an expected top American. But if it's anyone else, everyone's going to be like, whoa, all right, yeah. Colin Benny, top top American. Whoa, Matt McDonald. Oh, ooh, interesting. Reed Buchanan. Oh, yeah. wow, Parker Stinson, top American. You know, like... There's just going to be that, whoa, Germa Machezo, debut marathon, top American. There's, they're just, I feel like this, there's going to be a headline breakout mm-hmm. top American star from this men's race. I like Benny. I think this will be interesting because this is the first one since the marathon project, first marathon, 209.38. So I, you want to see, hey, does this guy have staying power? The, Honor of second best American men's marathoner is just wide open. It's just right for the taking. Anybody who wants it can grab it. So go get it in this Boston marathon. It, just as there's a bunch of, on the American side, right? 209, 210, 211. It's internationally, it's the same thing. Just the times are a little bit faster. You just have a ton of you know, 204 through 207. So could one of these guys break out or get their old form? Someone like Jeffrey Karui, who's won. Boston before, maybe, maybe. But again, like with the women, I think if you ranked the top 10 marathoners in the world right now, you might put DeCisa on that list just based on his history and just his ability every year to get at least one podium finish in a major. But past that, I don't think you'd have anybody else on this list. Doesn't mean somebody can't join that group in Boston, but there's nobody that the field is going to be deferring to or keying off of as, oh, this guy's the favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, right. I'm trying to figure out who. Sometimes it's it's just so hard to read marathoning. It makes me think like, 
I feel like sports books could make a lot of money on marathon betting because there's going to be so many bad beats that happen in a marathon that you're just, mm-hmm. it's people are going to think they're going to make so much money and then not. So, I mean, who would you say is the, do you think there's any minus money here? No, not in any, not on the no, men no, or no, women. No, 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 side, right? no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even in a, somewhat more lopsided marathon it'd be tough to get minus money just because there's just the high such a high possibility of a dnf or something going wrong i think that on the men's side it's really an obvious statement but i think the top three guys would be the favorites decisa or hanu and mengs do decisa because of what how consistent he's been or hanu's been solid for for a bit now and mengs has has the best pb so you you think okay those those three guys and then nobody else has this compelling case it's not as if, oh yeah, the guys run two oh six, but they're 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 a machine in championship style marathons and they're gonna eat up this Boston course. Half marathon guys are interesting. I could also see them DNFing because Boston is is tough and it's a tough especially if if you DNF Valencia, um, this is gonna be a challenge. But hey, if you run fifty eight thirty three, running two oh five pace is gonna seem pretty pretty manageable. Two oh six pace is gonna seem pretty manageable. But okay, I, here's a question for you. you on the on the breakout American star, though. I think that that could happen for sure. What place does the top American on the men's side need to finish for us to kind of have put like more like to for us to like consider? Whoa, whoa that, you're not just like a top American. You're you're showing yourself like what do, what does a top American need to run here? for them to get respect on an international level. Because right now, the international level doesn't yeah. even notice 208, 209, 210 runners. I think it would have to be something pretty pretty stacked. Like, I think it would need to be a top three. Top three? Yeah. It would be yeah. third, right? If an American You'd finishes to... fifth, you're going to be like, oh, okay, whatever. I, it depends on the nature of fifth. This is one of those things where it's you know five wide coming down <laughs> Boylston, true, true, then you yeah. still get respect. But if it's one of those where top three are within 30 seconds, then there's a two-minute gap for fourth, and there's another minute gap for fifth. Yeah, this yeah. Is just, that's just not going to bring in the type of respect that you're talking about. I think if someone finishes third here in in this race, then that person de facto, and let, depending on what happens in Chicago the day before, is going to be, hey, this is the second-best marathoner in the United States. And it might be too hasty to make that proclamation, but what other evidence are you going to go off of? I guess you could wait till New York and see the results there, but nobody else has made a compelling case. It's rough. And what we need to do guy. is we need to bring back the marathon project, but only bring back uh, four dudes. No, three dudes. And it's just a three-man race for the title of second best marathoner in the U.S. So you bring the second American that finishes at Chicago behind Rupp, Top American mm-hmm. at Boston, top American at New York, and then we take yep. those three athletes, put them in a chamber, don't let them mm. talk to their family for six months, and then make them run a marathon. Yeah, yeah. And then we live stream it, make a reality show out of it, and it says, and then Gail and Rupp is the host, and it's like, yeah. they're all it's challenging each other for the opportunity to race him in the next marathon. <laughs> 
I mean, who's number out. two does have a nice ring to it. I only you would come yeah, up with a reality two? show where the premise would be who's the second best at something. That's just that's incredible. <laughs> with the one number one guy being the host, scaling up as a host. Yeah. That's what I want. That'll be funny. Okay, that's the twist that that makes it worth it on its face. And like, like just it's amazing. The challenges are like Gail and Rupp's workouts. Like those are the challenges, and so like mm. each challenge like has to like pace him. And like be his yeah. rabbit for like a workout, and then you know mm-hmm. there's drama. They're talking in the in the phone booth, like oh, I just did a a tempo with Galen, and he you know he broke me at mile four, you know whatever. I don't know, but like here's the problem with it. Here's the problem fun. with your fake show. Do you think? I mean, Rupp's not going to give up that sort of intel. He might host it, but I don't think he wants anybody seeing the workouts, right? I don't know. He's he can give it up. He's too good. He can yeah. give. I mean. That, that is two. not the number one problem. The number one problem isn't Galen Rupp showing his workouts. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. All right. We good on that one? And they'll, they'll, they'll be eating string cheese, and we'll get an ad sponsor from Vega Cheese so we can appeal to the, to the Australian audience. Oh, my goodness. I do show a lot of yeah, – this is, that's, a good, that's a good grilled cheese. Look at that. It's a double-decker grilled one? cheese. Is this 2018? Is that what that says? It's from 170 weeks ago. Oh, another one. <laughs> two, two slices of rye. Wait, is this the same one? This is a different one. Those are two different grilled cheese photos. <laughs> what are you doing, man, with your life? What was going on here? I yeah, was making wow. grilled cheese with bacon and water burgers, creamy pepper sauce. That's two slices key. of rye bread. Two. Well, hold on. Here's oh. a lot, shot of your fridge. Now, this is just getting embarrassing. This is what happens when I go. What was your... Hashtag still a kid thing. Were you trying to get that going or something out there? Oh my, where are you finding all of these? Oh my God. Yeah, that, that's this what I eat for her. Uh, that's my Thanksgiving meal. Really? I don't really like you Thanksgiving. Like oh my. Okay. Where are that's you weird. finding all of these? Cheese ways. Oh my God. This is what happens when I'm allowed to This is embarrassing. Stuff. A lot of the same sort of conceits on these jokes. This is what I'm allowed to do. And this is what I do, guys. Uh, <laughs> my friend Malia, you really do eat like an eight-year-old wishes they could. Yeah, look at that. That's good. Do you regret not putting hashtag still a kid on all these posts? Well, it's just making a joke about eating healthy, you know. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. That was one of my first posts. Oh. That was the cheesy gordita. That's one one like. Who who liked it? It was in 2012. No one was liking Instagram in 2012. Come on. One like. Who liked it? Andy Wynn. Do you know Andy Wynn? No, I don't know who that is. Uh, Hashtag taste buds over loaf. Do you mean to say overload? <laughs> That's tremendous. Overload. Yeah, I think I meant to say over, overload. Man. Taste buds overload. Even at the beginning, you were uh, flubbing the, the I mean, you know this is an old one. You know this is an old Instagram because of the filter. Like when everyone thought that these filters yeah. were cool. Like the yeah, super yeah. rustic ones. And then you realize no one cares about those filters anymore. Yeah. Taco Bell like, engineering, creating the cheesy gordita Doritos crunch. Just as you were just doing yeah. some corporite marketing there. Well, because it's a it's a cheesy cheesy gordita crunch, but then I took a Doritos taco and replaced it. I think I was trying to get like a shout out from Taco Bell, but they didn't shout me out. Yeah, <laughs> you tried to get involved in their uh, taste buds overloaf campaign, but for some <laughs> reason they didn't respond. I'm just surprised that Travis would be able to deep dive my. Social feeds. That's You're the, the only, only person. person. <laughs> I didn't. Is the F the F and the D are right next to each other on the keyboard? 
So it is. You I didn't have, proofread. I have an excuse. You know who didn't, didn't care? You know who didn't care about the typo? Andy Wynn. Because he liked that thing. Yeah, he said, you know what? <laughs> I'm on Instagram. This is my first time. What sort of offerings are out there? Let me search some hashtags. What about hey, Chase Buds Overload? Oh, my God. Uh, Adam says we should change the name of the pod to the Cheese Track Podcast. Josh has on his Mount Rushmore cheese is Jarlsberg Halloumi. Halloumi is great, man. You can grill it. You can have that as a whole meal. It's so good. I, I'm recently halloumi. on to the halloumi. I've never thing. heard of that yeah, cheese. It's, it's really good. It's a grilling cheese. Uh, Parmesan and cheddar. Those are his ones. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about athlete of the year. Athlete of the year. They haven't announced who the finalists are, but I wanted to start the discussion. To me, it comes down on the women's side of things. We'll start there. Five women have a really good case, and four of them are at the top of those rankings that we talked about before. Elaine thompson Haras, Safan Assad, Faith Kipiegan, Yula Marojas. I think you need to put Sydney in there, even though her performances didn't translate to a high award athletics ranking. We're not going to go down that path again. We already covered that on the, on the previous pods. But I think it's those five. Do you think there's anybody outside of those five that would be in the short list for the finalist, Gordon? No. I mean, okay. American bias will be like, it's a thing, Mo, because, but when you really look at it, what a thing Mo did was incredible on, on the U.S. stage, not mm-hmm. as incredible on the world stage. Obviously, she won the Olympics, so that's an incredible feat on the world stage. But her dominance was at the NCAA yeah. level and the U.S. level. It wasn't at the international level for the entire year. So um, a thing Mo basically yeah. is like, all right, I'll win it next year. Like I think she's yeah. She, I would argue that I think Mo is the front runner for twenty twenty two athlete of the year. Okay, well we're talking twenty one in here. So these are the yeah. five. So let's go the case for each of these women. So we'll start first with Sydney McLaughlin, and we'll we'll do pros and cons here. So the case for Sydney McLaughlin is pretty clear. Broke the world record twice, and she beat the next two best in history at the Olympics. She beat Dalila Muhammad at trials as well, too. So this race was historically fast, and she was at the top of it all. She didn't just, you know, she smashed this record. She brought it all the way down to 51-46, just a staggering, staggering time there. So obviously we know the pros. The cons, you can see it there. You can throw up her season here. She only ran three 400-meter hurdle finals all year, okay? She ran some high hurdles, which I would consider that as part of the consideration because other people get their second event considered but those were all just preparation races for formula hurdles it, it wasn't as if she was running the 12-3 out there every time so really we're focusing on these formula hurdle performances and we're going to get into this debate you know quality versus quantity here mclaughlin the, the con here is you know didn't run that much of the formula hurdles this year yeah and I think that's going to be a big reason why she won't be selected because she didn't do any she, like there. She just didn't compete consistently as a like track and field. She just she she decided the only thing that matters is making the Olympic team and winning the Olympics. And mm-hmm. I will do. I will manipulate my season whatever way I need to. So I just check those two boxes make the team, yeah. win the Olympics. And so in her mind, she went two for two, but yeah, 
when it yeah. comes to world athletics, it's not yeah. about doing two for two. It's about competing on the circuit, going and doing this, winning multiple times, not just winning one race at the end of the year. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I think because of that, world athletics doesn't want to set a precedent where you become an all-time great. You're considered the best in the world when you didn't really compete often, you know. Listen, with the exception of being a marathoner, because they can only compete twice. So yeah, you're right though. She set her season up. I want to smash the world record. I want to win gold. She did both of those. I don't think I want to win World Athletics Athlete of the Year was on her list at all. So, and you you, you can see that you can see that in in how she set up her her season. Any other year, no brainer finalist probably going to win. But this was just such a tough year, which is why we're doing this exercise of breaking down. All of them. She also has the four by four medal. Um, so you can throw that in there as well, too. But again, it's tough because then how do you weight that against people who just don't even have the opportunity to run in a relay? So that's that's Sydney McLaughlin's case one, for the one more question team. on Sydney. Sure. One more question on Sydney. Do you think she's gonna keep this format in twenty twenty two? Where she kind of stays low key early in the season, makes the team, tries to win. A world title or do you think she'll kind of go back to kind of doing the circuit and running more often yeah because if you look at 2019 she ran more diamond leagues and she didn't do the high hurdle thing you know does she do the high hurdle thing because obviously it set her up perfectly to thrive in the in the lows later on or does she figure and her and her coach figure hey we we tapped out that part of it we don't need to go do that every single year we can run more formula hurdles because look at you look at 19, she ran one, two, three, four, five, six, seven 400 meter hurdle finals that year. Now, the season was a little different, right? We had her final taking place in October <clears throat> at the World Championships. So we had more Diamond League meets. We had all the Diamond Leagues for the World Championships, which could have helped out a bit, but she just ran much more frequently in the 400 meter hurdles. So I have no clue to answer your question. I don't, maybe she sees that as something she needs to replicate. Maybe she sees it as something that she doesn't need to do anymore. Um, I'll venture to guess she'll run more than she did in 2021, but less than she did in 2019. How about that? I will venture to guess that she'll do the exact same thing she did in 2021. I think But does that mean you think see... she's going to run the high hurdles again? She'll do the high hurdles again or she just won't race? Yeah. That much at all. Okay. I think she's all gonna right. try. I think she can look back at this season and be like, "It worked. Broke the world mm -hmm. record. I PR'd, and I won Olympic gold. Why go back to the 2019 version where I sure. don't break the world record? I get second. So I think we might see the same amount of Sydney on the big stage by yeah. being. I don't mean it that way. I think we're going to see a, still a limited Sydney McLaughlin on the big stage at the 400 meter hurdles because she's just going to be like, check the two boxes, make mm -hmm. the team, win, you know, win, win worlds. I could see her like not even like leaving the West, the, the Western time zone. Mm -hmm. Like, I think she's going to stay in the same time zone the entire 2022 year. She'll just be in California. Run some California meets, go up to Oregon, yeah. run the Oregon meets, come back to California, go back to Oregon. Like, I think she'll be like, screw it. Like, does she need to go all the way to Norway to run in the Bislett games to get an appearance yeah. fee of 
thirty thousand right, dollars? Right. No, she's gonna right. be like whatever, right. you know. That's probably a welcome, not just for her, but for a lot of U.S.-based athletes to finally have it be more American-centric this year. We don't know what the meet schedule is going to look like with smaller meets popping up, but you assume that stuff will be there if the demand is there. Okay, that's the case for and against McLaughlin for to be a finalist. Next up, uh, Elaine Thompson, hurrah. Elaine Thompson, hurrah. Let's talk about her. Let's talk about Elaine Thompson, hurrah. Now, her case is just really strong. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves here. Elaine Thompson, her case is extremely, extremely multifaceted. So she double gold, one of the two. So she performed at the highest stage, number two all time in two events. So she put up historical performances in events where we didn't really think that upper echelon was going to be unlocked by anybody in the current era. She proved us wrong. She ran four sub 10 sevens this year. And she raced a lot. She raced frequently. She raced a lot before the Olympics. She obviously thrived at the Olympics. She raced a bunch after. The only downside on her resume is that she lost a few times. But when you race a bunch, you're going to lose. It's just, it's just going to happen that way. And especially when you're racing Shelly and Fraser Price, who in any other year, Thompson Rott wasn't there, she'd be a finalist as well too because she'd be looking at a gold medal, and she'd be looking at historic times herself. So I think Thompson Hurrah has a great case here to be included and potentially be the winner, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I think she has the best case if we're getting ahead of ourselves. And we her cons of her four loss. you said there were four losses? Yep, in the 100 and the 200. So one of the losses, she runs 10, she ran 1064. And that was considered yeah, a loss. <laughs> yeah. Another loss yeah. was third at the national championships, uh, mm -hmm. where she ran ten eighty four. Still incredible. And then what was her other two losses in the two hundred? Yeah, she Whoa. had a early well, actually, season a, rust bust. There's a there's a fifth loss. Okay, so you don't. Oh, sorry. Heat, heat round no, 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 no. I'm not count. counting. Okay. I'm not counting heats. Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's yeah, true. No. What happened? We need to do. We need. We need to go back in time. What happened at the Miramar Invitational? On April 10th of 2021, where the future potential GOAT got fourth in a 200. Who beat her yeah. in that race? Russ Buster. I need to see the results of that race. Is there any way we can find the results of that race? I'm trying to pull them up I right now. That's wild that, that that's on her resume. That's just wild. But again, I'm not going to hold that against her. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just kind of flabbergasted that, you know, she's won the greatest and she has a fourth place finish i mean clearly she wasn't trying right you don't get she's not the, so she was so it went prandini Brittany brown candace hill thompson hurrah not too prandini Brittany had, brown candace hill beat ran by one one hundredth yeah 2.3 it is so early i mean you have no idea what i know i know did. but that's just hilarious candace hill beat elaine thompson hurrah yeah. in the year of 2021 She's got to put that. She needs to print out those results, frame it, and put it in her on her dining room table and show everyone. Yeah, you see that? That's me beating Elaine Thompson. Hurrah! Oh, you must have beat her when she was washed up or like, but when she was young. Yeah. No, I beat her in no. the year twenty twenty one where she had the best season of her life. That's right. Yeah. I beat her. Like, man, congrats to Brittany Brown, Prandini, 
and Candace Hill. I thought the only people who beat her were the two Jamaicans, but that's that's yeah. hilarious. So it sounds like you think her case is pretty solid here overall. Yes. There's not many. More than many. solid. Again, yeah. And again, like I'm the type of person where obviously the undefeated season is great. It sounds good, but I'm the type of person where I would I wait more frequent competitions and I allow for some losses if you compete more regularly. It's just the way I the way I approach it. And if you Next want, up. you could count you could take away so you could I know it doesn't count, but you could technically say the Jamaican national championships is a prelim. For the Olympics, no, I'm not, no, so you could say not, her third place finishes at. I mean, it is. It's a qualifier. It's a qualifier for the ultimate Olympics. No, so no, no, you said no, to finish no, top three and no. go to the Olympics. So she was just qualifying. No. Yeah, that's her auto. Grade. Okay, no. So, but what you could do is say, "Hey, let's just con- forget the two hundred. Let's just consider the the hundred, and then how many? So then she only has is it, is it one loss? I think. Oh, it's two losses still. Okay, yeah. but you don't get the same. Then, then you wouldn't get to brag about the goal in the number two time all time. So that's Elaine Thompson Haraz case. Let's go now. Next up, Safan Hassan. Safan Hassan's case to be athlete of the year finalist. She obviously attempted the Hassanathon in Tokyo, almost pulled it off. But the fact that she even went for it is just remarkable. Two gold medals, five in the ten, got the bronze in the fifteen hundred to Faith Kipyegon and Laura Muir. 10K world record. Now, she only had it for a day, but she had the 10K world record as well, too. Competed in a variety of distances. Uh, was was spectacular in all of them. If you're looking for cons, if you're looking for drawbacks, she did lose four times. Three of those losses were to Kip Yegon in the 1500. Kip Yegon clearly had her number in the 1500, but then if you scroll down, and you look at five and ten, you know, she was top notch. She went, I guess, in, in finals there, five for five there, and hit the biggest ones completely out of the park. So this is where it gets tough in track and field, because how do you compare this unprecedented triple attempt where she got two out of the three possible golds with the athletes like McLaughlin who only had one individual event or someone like Thompson or who had a more conventional double or you know, Kip Yegon, who we're going to talk about later and Ulamar Rojas. What, what do you think about Hassan's case? I think Hassan's case in my mind would have been perfect if she decided to call herself just a 5'10 runner. If she would have been like, I'm a 5'10 runner, she would be looked very differently. It's like she got better. Her, her her resume got better and worse at the same time when she extended to the triple. It got better because it's goddamn impressive what she did with the two golds and one bronze. Mm-hmm. But then it got worse because bronze looks worse than no bronze in a weird way. That's how we work, right? We'd rather you go 2-0 and than 2-1. and Right, so um, sure. Would so what, what the the test I like to do is just don't even consider the fifteen. Would she be a finalist? Because she still would have had double gold in the five and the ten, and she would have been undefeated in the five and the ten. She would have had a world record in the in the ten briefly, and those dominant Olympic performances. 
her PB in the five ended up being fourteen twenty seven. I don't in a year this good. I don't know if that would have been enough. I, th- really? I think it's the fact that she. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't be enough to to make her a finalist. I mean that we just talked about Thompson Hurrah's resume. I think what puts her over the top is the fifteen. Now in this alternate scenario, if she's not running the fifteen, she's probably running more fives at these Diamond League races and then racking up more impressive performances. But I mean the the fifteens were nuts. I mean three fifty three. 353, then the bronze in 355. Uh, Brussels, she went for the world record, didn't get it. You know, 358. She went toe-to-toe with Kip Yegon a number of times. So you're right, the 2-0 versus 2-1 thing, but I think that's that's so short-sighted and so limiting. I don't like that that's how we think. I think it should be, man, she tacked on an extra bronze in a third event. Yeah. I think that her, like I said, her resume got better and worse at the same time. Better because it's more impressive to, to get that third in the 15, but worse because are you going to say the athlete of the year was only third place in a, an Olympic final? It's just, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do that, right? But you could flip it around and say athlete of the year was third best in the world in her third best event. How many other people can say that? Literally nobody. Nobody. That's a, histo- yeah. that's a historic thing. That's a historic thing that she went for. And again, if you subbed out those 1,500 races and put in more fives and tens, maybe she would have been able to build a resume that was – maybe she would have gotten the 10K world record back. Maybe she would have had another run at the 5K world record and it would be a different scenario. But I, I just have a hard time excluding her from the final three because she, she went for it. She went for it. She got two of the three and just fully demonstrated the range. She got she got a win on Kip Yegon this year. I mean, Kip Yegon clearly the better 1500 meter runner, but she got a win off of her this year. It's got to count for something, right? Yeah. No, it does count. I again, I, I I personally would still put her in the top three, even with the yeah. even with the third place. But I'm just saying the way people look at resumes, they would rather see less perfect mm-hmm. than more imperfect even though sometimes being more imperfect is actually better than being less perfect. That's a t-shirt selection. If, that's, a, yeah, if, that's a good t-shirt selection. Be more imperfect than less perfect. If Thompson Hurrah jumped in the quarter too, and it was possible, and she got third to, to Miller Weibo and Paulino and got bronze, I think we'd only see that as a net gain and just a, a, an absurd display of range, I think. That's how I would look at it. Now you could say, all right, she yes. Thompson Ross one and two were a, better than Stefan Hassan's five and ten. I, okay, I, I get that just from a Mark's perspective, at least in the five, the ten, she is now number two all time, just like Thompson Ross. But just adding that extra event to me is just the ultimate, ultimate show of strength, ultimate power move. I mean, if she pulled it off, this conversation would be really short. We'd say she's the athlete of the year. Sorry, everybody else. <laughs> you picked the wrong year to be good. All right, if she did pull it off, what would Elaine Thompson Hurrah had have done in the one and two to trump it, break the world record? Yeah, but even then, I don't, I don't think it would have been enough. So, well, so you would, you would take the triple gold over if she broke yeah. the world record in the one and the two? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would. We're talking about fifteen, five, ten. It's just, it's just preposterous. <laughs> I think we're downplaying how impressive it was be- because it was bronze. 
and she wasn't that at the end of the day she wasn't that close it's not like she took kip yegon to the line yeah. but we were really close to seeing something just it, it completely out of this world and something that's just not going to be replicated you could because you could say all right thompson or runs 10 48 again completely eye-popping nuts i didn't think it was possible i didn't think that in my lifetime i'd see uh, someone go that quick but then you could also say well she did it but fraser price not too far behind she can m- match that who's matching a 15 5 10 right now it's just like yeah, the person doesn't exist doesn't exist all right let's stick on the distance side though let's go to let's go to kip Yegon now uh, m- focused really sh- heavily on the 15 and the mile she went six and one in the 1500 her only loss was to safan hassan Four times she was sub 354, Gordon. She got the number four mark of all time this year. So marks, high quality performances all around. Everything she ran was sensational. She beat Hassan, who we just talked about, one of the greats. Her mark of 351.07, as I mentioned, an all-time performance. Drawbacks, if you're going to pick one, I guess you'd say she only raced eight times total across every single event so that includes it was one 800 and then the rest were all 1500s so and i'm i'm just including finals there for the the, the olympics so everything she ran was quality uh but didn't race i wouldn't say she didn't race a ton but she also didn't race um that infrequently as well too so j- just a great season again any other year this would probably be enough yeah I think this is like the gold standard of athlete of the year is having a season like Kip Yegon. And I think basically the sport has just grown and gotten so incredible in multiple aspects that the gold standard now isn't enough. I like to say now you need yeah. that platinum standard, which is what, you know, Elaine Thompson yeah. is doing, what, you know, some other people are doing. So it's that weird situation where greatness can be trumped by even greater greatness. And I think she's just showing greatness here. And mm-hmm. I don't know what else. I mean, even if she would have replaced that one loss with a win. Yeah. Yeah. This re- the resume would have needed a world record, I think, or something like that, or like two, a world record twice. Right. Yeah. Cause in a way in a, in a, in a vacuum, she kind of had like a similar, like, off the radar season as Sydney because Sydney didn't run a lot, but now Sydney, I would say had a better resume than Kip Yegon though, because Sydney at least broke the world record twice. Whereas like if she was out there and ran like three, I mean, she, instead, hold like, on though. Hold on one second. Though. I mean, she did race her number one rival four times. Yeah. This year. So she, and she jumped in more diamond leagues than obviously Sydney did this year. Sydney didn't run any. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> she, the, the thing is, she like, didn't, I, I, maybe, she didn't she race didn't a lot dominate. compared to a sprinter. She didn't race a lot compared yeah. to a sprinter, which it's a different event. And she didn't race a lot compared to, you know, Hassan raced more because she's racing a bunch of events. I think the thing that hurts her is you look at the 15, you say, okay, well, it's tough to compare a 1500 runner to a, a, a short sprinter because a short sprinter can double and a 1500 meter runner can't. But then Safan Hassan yeah. just out there doing three events and you, she's saying, Oh really? You can't yeah. double. You can't do an extra thing. Like the, the, the bar has been raised so high here. I mean, everything Kip Yegon did was, was quality, right? There was no, and also a short, she, 
loss. It was just good, good race after good race for her. And also a short sprinter can chase fast records. Whereas a, yes, she doesn't need to be trying to run 350 every time. She can go out there to win in 358. And that in a, in a weird, wild world, you're like, oh, yeah, 358, okay. Sure, you got the win. But it's like, no, you won. You beat, you know, mm-hmm. probably four of the best runners in the world in that specific race, and you beat them. But, you know. Yeah. She's a victim of other people's greatness, I think, in my mind. That's her con, being a victim of other people's greatness. Last one. We'll consider Yulemar Rojas. Yulemar Rojas, triple jumper, probably under the radar because she does triple jump, even though she was the athlete of the year last year. She was undefeated, Gordon. Broke the world record. This season, this season alone, four of the top five marks in history. That's what she put out there. And if you're looking for a reason why she shouldn't be in the top three or even the actual athlete of the year, you got to really nitpick. You got to really go. I guess you could say, hey, she only jumped, triple jumped eight finals. But that's a, that's a stretch here. Um, you could go to that Monaco performance there, and you see it there where she got second, but that was the weird, the weird seating, right? The weird, what do we call that? The like sixth round jump off thing? Yeah, the, the jump off thing. So oh, to throw her out because of that is tough <laughs> for me. That's why I said, she, I mean, she's undefeated. When I say undefeated, she's undefeated in having the, the farthest. I mean, she was 15-12 in that competition, and the winner was 14-75. So let me clarify. She had the <laughs> farthest jump. This is, this is a track and field thing. Is we got to have all these caveats. She had the farthest jump in every single competition this year. She wasn't undefeated. She had the farthest jump. I don't care. I'm throwing that out. And if she's not considered because of that, I think that's ridiculous. What do you think of her candidacy? Yeah, I think she is definitely, in my mind, going to be, I think she'll be selected for top three. I think what is going to prevent her from winning would be because she won last year. I think they're going to, but let's ignore that. Just be like, this is us. This is us picking. Okay. Don't 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 get into like what you think they're gonna do. Because if you do that, then you're like, well, they're gonna try to get some have event group representation. They're gonna try to have geographic representation. But let's just well, they do try pick. to do that when they get down to the. Top I know, 10, but I don't. They try to. But this is our out. list of who is gonna go to Monaco, okay. not not theirs. But I agree with you. I agree. Which it's it, that's why it's like okay, they're obviously gonna have a sprinter. So it's like uh, Thompson Hurrah, obviously is gonna be in there, but. I mean, do you think she deserves top three, Rojas? I say, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think the one thing that makes a great jumper is consistency. And you don't have like a one-off incredible mark. And she turned her baseline into like an all-time baseline that will never be a baseline again. Like. Mm-hmm. You look at that and it, you have to go, how many, like, bring up the, is there, is there's got to be a stat somewhere about this. About what? Go to all, I'm going to look it up, all-time athletics, women, triple jump. Travis, you know how to get yeah, to I'm, there? I'm telling you, it's four, I'm looking at it right now, four of the top yeah. five. But She's even got, if you go 20- beyond that, it's like. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, well, then you're getting into then you're getting into some of her 2019 and previous jumps. But just 2021, 1567, she jumped to 1552 in Lausanne, which was a legal jump, but the the there was a better jump that was wind aided. 1548 and 1543. So yeah, I mean, she, she has four to top five, but then she also has the 29. She also has a 36, and she has a 47. They were all done. Like her entire her entire season was top fifty, with a majority yeah. of it being top five. That's it's just well yeah. okay. So so also that list doesn't include the in route jumps. So she's also got a four a fifteen forty two and a fifteen forty one and a fifteen thirty one that were all win legal this year too. Yeah, that don't get listed on there. <laughs> so yeah, four of the top five is is a is misleading in, in just how dominant she is. Listen, I didn't think before we did this exercise going in that I was going to put in the top three. I'm putting in the top three. I'm 100% put in the top three. Because if you're not going to put somebody who dominates the all-time list that much in the top three, then what are you doing? Like, why are you having an Athlete of the Year yeah. award? Why do we keep statistics if, if you're not yeah. going to put someone who puts that out there? I mean, look at that. It's ridiculous how good she was in 2021. Again, yeah, the Monaco thing, think, I'm not holding it against her. and Because if you change the rules for a Diamond League, but it's not the same rule for the Olympics or World Championships, I'm going to revert to the regular rules and say she jumped 30 centimeters farther than second place. I'm putting Rojas. She gets a ticket. Yeah, so I agree with you. If I had to pick my three, yeah. I'll say my three. I'll, my three would be Elaine Thompson, hurrah, Rojas. And I would put Safanas on. Those would be my three. I would love to argue with you. Seems like we should argue about this after that long exercise. Maybe it's because we had such a detailed description and we're able to hash this out. I agree. I agree. And I, I mean, the one that people would push back the most against would be McLaughlin because she breaks the world record twice. In any other year, as I mentioned, that would be enough to win it. But just the volume of quality athletes this year was just so high like leaving leaving somebody off is just really really difficult but i think i think thompson Hassan, and rojas have the the three best cases here i, I could I see argue, someone argue yeah. i could see someone arguing hassan versus mclaughlin for that final spot but i i just think thompson hurrah and and rojas have to be there yeah i in my, yeah, I was about to bring that up. If Sydney ran like four Diamond Leagues to kind of bolster her resume, like win the Diamond League final and just like mm -hmm. be more present in the on the circuit, I would mm -hmm. and have the same type of resume, like still run quick and all that stuff. I would put her over Hassan. So Hassan wins the tiebreaker because the triple is more impressive, in my opinion, than two world records which is kind of crazy that i'm saying that but you know yeah this is well and as i as i said before the the triple broke people's excuses and made it so you can't really be in a running event and say ah, i can't double now if you're a javelin thrower i still feel bad for you because i don't <laughs> like sifanis on tripling didn't show that a javelin thrower could then just hop in the discus and get a medal. But I think what Safan Hassan did was say, hey, four meter hurdles, 
400, you could do that double. The schedule may not agree, but hey, figure it out. 400, 200, you could do that. 815, 15, 5, steeple, 5. As long as they're not directly on top of each other. And listen, she had it. She didn't have a perfect schedule for this. She had to double on some days. She took away most of the excuses, Gordon, for yeah. why people can't double. And it's not that I expected people to change in midstream and be like, oh, Stefan Hassan's doing this thing. Now I should do it. But it just made the, the – it just broadened the horizon of what was – what is possible. So ordinarily you'd say, well, 5 and 10, that's not fair. 1 and 2, that's not fair. They have, a, they have an advantage over other people because they have these naturally compatible events. But when she throws in the 15 there and does it at the, the highest stage, you start thinking, well – maybe other other people really need to do something equally bold to to garner the attention. I think we should uh go over the men's uh after the year pros cons next week. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree cuz maybe someone will run a marathon so fast this weekend, so impressive. There you go. Maybe they'll double. Maybe they'll someone will do the Chicago Boston double that we haven't heard of, and they'll and they'll win it. Not I'm not talking about just, I'm not like a guy named like Jake who's going to run both of them in four hours. I'm saying somebody's going to do it so impressively that we have have to talk about them. Yeah, that's a good point. What do the men? Let's draw them on the men. I wanted to start the discussion for the women. So if you disagree, uh, email us flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com or comment on on YouTube. Hop in the live chat too. We'll we'll be doing a live pod. The plan is Monday. Doing a live pod right after Boston. Stay tuned uh, to figure that out on social channels slash the website. But we'll leave it there. Thanks to Alon for producing. Thanks to Travis for producing. Appreciate everybody tuning in on this Friday. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy the, the marathon double that we have going. You can watch the races in Australia. Live on Flow Track. In Canada. Talk to you guys next week.